This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few moments, John Carlson returns with a fresh look at Vancouver area real estate and lots more on the 1% Realty Story. But first, here are some more of the week's top consumer stories we're following. A new ride-hailing app called Cater will launch this month in Vancouver, but not everyone is on board with the service which has the support of Vancouver's taxi industry. The service will operate using taxi licenses that were recently issued to the Vancouver Taxi Association and will be tested beginning next weekend, March 30th, meaning the service will have cars on the street months before the provincial government introduces legislation allowing Uber and Lyft to operate in BC, a project, a prospect rather, that has some people upset. This is the NDP playing footsie with the taxi owners. That's all this is say the opposition liberals. So what do riders feel about this so far? Well, the Vancouver province has an online poll underway, and so far it's 75-25 against this new quasi-taxi service that in no way resembles a real ride-hailing service. We've been watching this story closely and will continue to do so. Marijuana use has risen in the country since legalization, according to a new study from Insights West, which shows that nearly a quarter of adult Canadians consumed cannabis in the last few months of last year. In an online study in mid-December, 23% of legal-age respondents reported using marijuana in one form or another since legalization, including 5% who said they consumed cannabis for the very first time. Among established users, 16% saying they've increased their cannabis use in recent months. So how do most consume cannabis? Well, more than two-thirds or 68% of last year's cannabis users say they smoked a joint, with 36% of that group saying it's their regular means of consumption. Just over a third say they eat it on a regular or occasional basis. Vaping and oils are also on the rise at 30 and 27% respectively, and 10% say they consume cannabis in drinkables on a regular or or occasional basis. Millennial consumers are more likely to try consuming cannabis edibles and drinkables than their older counterparts. As to where this all takes place, 72% of recreational cannabis users prefer to get high at home, and 63% prefer to consume alone. BC Finance Minister Carol James has expressed surprise at a lack of revenue from pot sales so far, as, well, pretty much everyone in the province points to the lack of stores from which revenue could be derived. Consumer Reports has dropped the Toyota Tundra from its list of recommended full-size trucks after it put on a bad showing during the latest round of Insurance Institute for Highway Safety crash tests. The Tundra earned a poor rating for passenger side protection and a marginal rating for the driver's side on a scale that ranks vehicles as good, acceptable, marginal, or poor. Consumer Reports factors the crash tests into its overall score for vehicles, along with reliability, 
comfort, performance, and other factors. The Tundra's elimination from that list leaves the Ford F-150 as the only full-size model above its threshold for a recommendation with a score of 67, followed by the Ram 1500 at 64 and the Tundra at 63. The Honda Ridgeline, which is the only truck to earn an IHS top safety pick designation, is considered a compact by Consumer Reports, and it's the only recommended truck in the segment with a score of 74. And your favorite beer, wine, or spirit might cost more on April 1st. And no, this isn't an early April Fool's joke either. This is unless Canadian distillers can convince Federal Finance Minister Bill Morneau to repeal the annual automatic escalator tax on beer, wine, and spirits. Quote, Canada already imposes amongst the very highest taxes on alcohol in the world. And in the case of spirits... 80% of what you pay are taxes, say the folks at Spirits Canada. There was no mention of repeal in this week's federal budget, so taxes on alcohol in Canada will rise on April 1st without a vote in Parliament, making this the third increase in three years. Federal excise duty revenues on Spirits alone were up almost 18% last year, according to Spirits Canada. Not exactly something we want to waste any time toasting this weekend, do we? Those are some more of the top consumer stories where watching this week, John Carlson is on deck with more on the 1% Realty story coming right up. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer, and you're on CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation. Johnny 1% back on NW. How are you today? I'm doing great. Good afternoon. Well, good afternoon to you, too. We've been through a federal budget since uh, you and I last gathered here on the airwaves. Not a lot in it for people in markets like Toronto and Vancouver, where prices are a little too high for some of the goodies that they inserted into the budget, John, aiming for younger voters and first-time homebuyers. Right. And and I think there was a concern there that they don't want to uh, throw stimulus on the markets that they already consider to be a little overheated, like Vancouver and Toronto. So True. I think that price limit of the 485000 was something uh, that was part of uh, what was in mind there. One of the things that they were talking about that might have been included was the uh, inclusion of 30-year mortgages. They didn't go that route. Would that have made a difference, do you think, to some first-time home buyers? I don't think so, because if you have a stress test that's designed to uh, take away the leverage of a buyer, and then you add uh, another measure that increases that leverage, I don't think that would make a whole lot of sense to, to do that, no. But there has been talk out there that maybe this stress test, adding the full two points uh, on your mortgage qualification um, test, it might be a little bit overblown. I really don't know. I do know it's had the desired effect to bring some of these markets under control. Right. And I think as time goes on, we're going to see the effects of these measures more and more. And everything's open. I don't know what the governments will do. But this little measure here does help out, I think, um, you know, the young first-time buyers, maybe some of these buyers, not in Vancouver, maybe on 485 and below. Right. But if you want to go out to Coquitlam and get a condo or Maple Ridge, a townhouse or Mission, these sorts of things, these outlying areas, the suburbs, this will be helpful to people looking to get into the market um, with some of these measures. Although they're not fully announced yet, we're still going to flesh out exactly what this means. But there does seem to be some uh, evidence of the federal government looking to help people uh, in that income, uh, that price bracket. Well, you know, it's something we forget about, John, because of course the new headlines that before Christmas uh, there was a rather glaring local headline about there's no, no such thing as a condo in the city of Vancouver under half a million dollars 
period, and we believed it. Probably still true. So everybody, especially a lot of first-time buyers, go, oh, my gosh, how are we ever going to get in this game? And, of course, now the Fed's come in with a, well, a series of new incentives capping out at roughly 485 and a lot of young people going, well, gee, there's nothing in that price range. There's nothing under half a million in Vancouver. Well, we're here to tell you this afternoon that's just not true. John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation, my guest, who spends a lot of time in the Tri-Cities, in Maple Ridge, in Mission, Langley, places like that, is uh, here to tell us there are actually quite a large number of uh, properties available at 485 or less. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of buyers in this price range, of, they don't think about Vancouver, and, and why would you? There's nothing out there for that kind of money. But that doesn't mean that there aren't um, you know good places and good areas with transportation corridors nearby and right. all that sort of thing. So I, even this segment of the market, 500000 is still softening a little bit. It's not like what's happened out there in the multi-million dollar segments. But still, I mean, the stress test and other you know indicators mean that the Really, we've seen a number of buyers pull back. The number of sales has dropped compared to last year in the yes. frantic times. Yep. And when the buyers pull back and the inventories pile up a bit, sellers start to compete for those limited number of buyers and prices start to ratchet down a bit. And that's what we've seen. Having said that, the market is still healthy. If you want to put your house on the market, your condo, your townhome, you want to price it accordingly, you want to be competitive out there, you're going to get showings and you're going to get offers. So we're still selling homes. Homes are selling, but you just got to recognize, hey, if I want to sell... Maybe I'm buying again and there's a benefit there, but maybe the old days are gone and we got to look at today. What's the smart thing to do today? And that's what I help people decide when they invite me over. Now, you talked about the stress test and there was some chatter before the budget, John, that they might uh, reduce the uh, rate of testing involved. Didn't touch that. Right. We talked about 30-year mortgages. Didn't go there. So they did limit the range that they, of incentives they were offering to particularly first-time home buyers. It's a pre-election budget. Right. They want those people's votes. So why not make the road to home? homeownership a little bit easier for many of them. In some places in Canada, this is very welcome news. We talked on this show a couple of weeks ago about the the least expensive place in in the country for a person on a single income to buy a house. That's Regina, where the average price, John, is $285. This is a budget just right in in the wheelhouse of, of people in that market. Good. I think we'll see how it plays out. We don't have all the details yet, but it does signal that the government is looking at helping, assisting some of the young people get into the market because, you know, it's a, it's a chain reaction. These sales will fuel future sales in, in higher markets as well. So I think that it's probably something that was well thought out, and I'm looking to see uh, how it plays out. Let's talk about those first-time buyers a little more and your veteran uh, experience in the business because now... Not only buyers, but sellers are going, okay, the, the landscape is changing. The headlines, and I passed you an article from one of the local papers a few moments ago. We talked about high-end West Side and West Van single detached mansions coming off literally by the millions over the past few months. Well, that's trickled down now to some of the higher-end condos, million-dollar-plus condos. Well, sales in that range are now off a little bit as, I guess, people get more discriminating as as to what they're going to buy. But the question to you, especially with the first-time home buyer in mind, John, is how do I know what the right price is? Are these, we like this house. We just, it just, it filled, it checks all our boxes. But are they asking too much? How do I know if I'm getting ripped off or, or of getting a good deal even? 
Well, that's a great question, Sterling. Thanks for that. I um, I think that that's where a good agent really steps into the picture. When I you know meet people, maybe I'm selling their property and they're buying another one, or maybe we're just working as buyers. I think it's really important for people to get out and see properties. And the more you see and the more you learn, and I think my theory is this, the more that a a potential buyer goes out and sees properties and rules out the ones he or she doesn't like and and starts to, I think they get a little bit more confident of market value. Hey, Mm -hmm. that one looks like a good deal. This one maybe doesn't look like such a good deal compared to what I've seen. And they start to get a little bit more confidence. And the more confidence you have as a buyer, when you step in and place an offer, I, I think it's better. So part of it is doing your homework, but also a good agent can step in and say, hey, look, here are the trends. Here's a price graph of your segment in this area. Here's what's been going on. If we look at a sale that's six months ago, we might want to adjust that downward a certain number of percent to kind of get today's indication because statistically, this is what the market has done. Buyers are also comparison shoppers, so we can compare a listing that we saw versus all the other ones and get a feel for which ones suit us best. So really it comes down to uh, being prepared because if you're prepared, then you're ready to act. And when you've seen a lot of properties and when you've done your homework and you've got a good agent who's giving you good advice and you're working hand in glove with that agent... I think you feel very confident when the right place comes. You know, you know it. You see it. You see the the two the couple look at each other and they go, "Hey, I mean, oh this, boy, this one is. might be it." That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, then let's start working on the terms and see what we can do to make it also fit the budget and make sense so that you're happy about the whole purchase. And how about the people inside that house that the young couple has just decided this could be the place, and you're inside looking at them, looking at your house, going, "Hey, those could be the buyers. Let's make sure we've got this thing priced." just the way they want, just in in the neighborhood they want to pay. How do you know about that? Same procedure? Well, it's about positioning. It really is. And part of it is, uh, you know, just remember, buyers are comparison shoppers. You and I, Sterling, if we want to go out and buy a pair of shoes or, or a shirt or a car or something like that, we look at our options. And we, you and I might have different tastes or different needs in those departments, but we're each going to look at each product and say, we're going to make a value judgment there. Hmm, Literally should, should kick, I act kicking now? the tires, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. And yeah. buyers are not much different for houses. They have sure. different needs, different requirements. When they see something they like, they want to know, is it a good deal? Is it the right time? Can I get the right terms? Can it fit into my timeline? Because it's more than just the money. It's often the timing as well. And these are things that an experienced agent can give good advice to and hopefully go out and advocate for their client to get the best terms. Because sometimes in a market like this, there's a little bit of uncertainty there. So, you know, even the seller might go, hmm, I'm not really sure. Am I really worth this or am I worth that? Yeah. And a buyer comes along and a buyer's a little cautious because the market's a little softer and maybe they write an offer that's a little lower than the seller wants to see. Here's a great uh, reason to have a good agent. A good agent with a lot of experience can give you confidence, can present your offer with confidence. And in a market where things are kind of a little uneven and nobody's really sure what's going on, I think a good agent's uh, even more valuable in terms of helping you get the terms, whether you're buying or selling. And that's what I offer people. And aside from all the savings when you sell your house through me at 1% Realty, my main focus really is to provide the best quality service and put all my skills to work for clients so they can make good decisions. Well, you've been at this for uh, almost two dozen years. Uh, you've worked for a number of companies uh, over that time. And for not the first time either, in 2018, you were awarded a membership in the President's Club, which is the top 1% of all realtors in Metro Vancouver in the Fraser Valley. And it wasn't your first appearance in there. You're a veteran of the business, and you do an awful lot of volume. So back to the, the whole matter of confusion. Buyers and sellers, I think, in these changing, and they're rapidly changing for us, times, John, there has to be an element of confusion. People just trying to keep up with it all. Absolutely. And everybody's trying to feel out the market and see, you know, what exactly is, is going on. So, Generally speaking, it's a pretty good market. Just remember, if you're a seller, you're competing for those buyers, and buyers are a little bit more cautious. What I'm finding with my own listings in particular, I'm sure it's probably the same for other agents out there, 
that uh, even if I've got a listing that's priced pretty reasonably, buyers are still a bit cautious and they might throw that, you know, hey, write another 50000 lower or something like that just to see what happens because buyers aren't always certain either what values are. So they're being a little bit careful. Well, I find that, you know, maybe the, maybe a buyer's a bargain hunter and they write $50,000 under and there's nothing you can do about it and the right. deal doesn't go together. Well, sure. that's fine. But other times... A good agent can help a seller by demonstrating value and bringing a, a reasonable counter argument back to the buyer and right. saying, hey, you know, this property has this, it has this, and this has been done, and these are benefits. And you know, again, you're not going to convince a buyer to pay more than they think they should, but you might show that buyer why the value is there. And so again, there's another reason in a market like this to have a good agent because oftentimes, well, unlike the old days where you put a sign and someone throws a bag of money at your door, right. you actually have to fight for it and defend your price when, when an offer comes. And you have to do that within an environment that's a little bit tricky because buyers are a little nervous. So and you, and you that's talked, a skill. You <clears throat> talked about timelines too, John. It used to be, uh, and now of course, uh, the subjects uh, two or three years ago uh, were, were not included in deals usually because it was there was too long a lineup of other people who didn't care about subjects. I want to buy this property. I want to buy it now. Well, those days, mercy are gone. And now you, for example, insist almost every time that the potential buyer do a home inspection, for example. Take whatever time it takes, book a home inspection, don't make a move until you get that report back. That makes sense. But in terms of timelines, you talk about people downsizing. Well, we'd like to sell this big old home and move into a condo. The kids are all gone. So what about that in terms of, okay, if I sell the house, and at how much time should I allow myself to buy another place? Because things aren't happening as quickly as they used to. That's right. And again, timing is so important. If you're going to sell and buy, you want to coordinate them so yeah. that uh, you know, you're know you not living outside for a week or two. That's, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Moving um, in with the, with the kids over the summer is probably not on anybody's to-do list. Right. Um, so there's a number of ways, and I can talk to people about this specifically if they want to meet, but there are a number of ways. If, if you already know where you're going, well, that's wonderful. You sure. have a spot. If you don't, well, then maybe you're looking at an offer with a buyer that has some flexibility. Maybe they'll give you three months Maybe they'll uh, uh, move the dates up quicker if you find something. Maybe you write in your contract that the seller has the right to extend another month or two if they don't find a place they're looking at. But really, I find that doesn't seem to be the problem right now. Uh, my sellers, I, I would, in most segments, if, if you have a buyer that wants to complete in two or three months, that's probably a lot of time to find your next property. So, uh, again, this is where the advice and uh, experience of a professional agent really comes into play. Not only for first-time buyers, because the maze is pretty difficult to navigate on a good day for that group, but for anybody, these are changing times. And in order to stay up with them, you need the voice of experience and confidence in your corner. And, of course, we're talking about Johnny Johnny 1%, our That's guest, me. John Carlson. And Johnny 1%, by the way... Is is the website, johnny1percent.ca, and you'll find all sorts of terrific information there for sellers and buyers. And, of course, we'll tell you more about the commission schedule on the other side of the news break. But it, suffice it to say, johnny1percent.ca is a great place to go. You'll find John's phone number, which just happens to be 604-612-0080, 604-612-0080. That's how you reach John Carlson. But give him a few more minutes. We're going to break for the news. And we're back with more Vancouver Consumer. 
And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer here on CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox. Johnny 1% is in the house. John Carlson from 1% Realty back with us today. And John, uh, we were talking about some some tips and some possible incentives uh, by in the new budget for first-time home buyers. Not a lot of material in there for sellers, but it is an unusual time. We have determined that even the federal government, Lord knows the provincial and municipal governments have taken a shot at the marketplace with interventions and legislations and tinkering. They've been tinkering, all of which is leading to a marketplace in which a lot of confused people live, John. Prices have come off a little. Uh, We don't know whether that's the end or is this the beginning of a long slide. Uh, Talk to us about what you're getting on the phones. When people call you up looking for advice, looking for that all-important first meeting with Mr. Carlson, who may want to sell our house, they sit down with you and they go, what on earth is going on in this market these days? I'm sure that's question number one. Well, yeah, people want to know what's going on. And all I can do is, is give them my opinions. And those are based on, you know, my day-to-day experience out there. So that's what I do. Um, what's going on in the market? Um, I think, you know, you'll, you'll hear some things in the, uh, in the press that they use words like horrible and, uh, boy, the worst market in 25 years and all these things. But really, I think what we're seeing is, you know, let's face it, buying real estate in Greater Vancouver has not gone out of style. Mm-hmm. Uh, people want to live in Greater Vancouver. True. But when the environment switches and changes and people get wind that, hey, prices might be coming back, they reasonably step back and they try to be a little bit more cautious. So what we're seeing is a rebound from the crazy, crazy days. We have federal and provincial governments with a mandate to try to bring this under control because unaffordability is a problem economically to this city. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I'm an expert in that, but um, the market has been designed, the, the recipe has been changed by the government a little bit, and that changes the perception of the buyers. And so we're looking at an adjustment period. It's nothing more. Right. Um, just like a, a good stock, when uh, someone sees Apple shares drop to a certain point, they think, hey, I'm going to buy in now because guess what? Apple's not going to stay down for long. That's and right. that's an investment decision. So buyers of homes do very similar things. And the feeling I get out there is all kinds of people have kind of waited and, hey, we're kind of wondering what's going on. Is it the right time? And if anything, I think our market is quite robust. When you look at all the measures that have been thrown at it and the fact that we're still humming along, I mean, houses are selling. It's not the heyday anymore. Right. But we're very robust. I'm very strong on my feelings about real estate in Greater Vancouver in the long run. Could we have a little more softening? Of course we could. Uh, But to try to time a market, uh, any investor will tell you that's a dangerous thing, a difficult thing. I think that people have to look at what their needs are today, look at what you might get out of your home from a sale, look at what your options are as a purchase, and then say to yourself, hey, does this make sense to me? And I think a lot more people are finding that it maybe makes sense to come back into the market as long as the price is right. All right. Well, then let's talk about prices because uh, this is where you offer an advantage to uh, many uh, consumers that uh, is, is unique at 1% Realty, and it's based on the name of the company. You charge 1% commission on uh, sales of houses, and uh, you have, over your long time in the real estate industry, worked for other companies and right. other agencies that charged different numbers, higher numbers. Sure. So when you're in... Uh, with 1%, and are you finding with the ability to maybe save a little more on commission, or a lot more on commission, depending on the house price, that some people are 
looking at that as an advantage. Okay, if I can't get the price that I was hoping to get because the market has changed, I can still get pretty close because I'm not paying as much in commission. That money stays in my bank account. Absolutely. Uh, People recognize that and figure that out. And then they also kind of temper it with, I think, the thought, as long as it really works. Does it really work? Can it really work? That's it. And so, you know, people will want to save money if they believe in the process, but if they don't, you know, they don't. And I know there's no shortage of people out there who might suggest to potential sellers that, hey, if you list with John Carlson or 1% Realty that, you know, you you don't offer as much commission, so you might not get the same service. You might not get the same, you know, the buyers might not show it or, or whatever, whatever. All I can tell you is, uh, you know, I've been at this company now since uh, 2010, May of 2010, so a little over eight, almost nine years, mm-hmm. and probably sold somewhere north of 500 homes uh, at 1% Realty in that time. And I can tell you, it's business as usual. Real estate is about buyers wanting to buy homes, sellers wanting to sell, and a real estate agent fits into the scenario if he or she provides some value to the buyer or the seller. In my case, I work for both sides, and if you're selling your home, uh, I think my unique vantage point as an agent is that not only do I save people money at what people might call a discount company because we charge 1% of the sale price plus a small fee, um, under up under $700,000, we are $79.50. So we're, we're a very good deal. But I, I provide not just a good price, but very top-level service and my expertise. And again, as you mentioned, I'm one of the top sellers year after year in Greater Vancouver, right, and sure. I take my job seriously. So every client, I give them the best advice I can. They pay less, yes, but they don't get less. Well, that's what that's what I'm going to... I've got to pick you up on that because our we're, we're a pretty educated bunch, we consumers, and we're it's, it's almost instinct, John. If you're paying less for something, you're getting less for something. So if I do business with 1% realty because I want to pay less commission, what then am I compromising or giving right. up in order to get that 1% rate? And that's based on experience. I get it. Like if I go buy cereal and I see some box I've never seen in my life with a black and white, you know, I might not buy it because it's a buck cheaper than the other one. Mm-hmm. But it comes down to margins. On a box of cereal, I don't know what the margins are, but there's only so much room you can go changing your price before you really start to cut into quality. Sure. I'm going to suggest that real estate commissions that might be Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars. There's a lot of margin in these commissions. So if a person like myself comes along and does a good job for less money, I'll be busy, and that's really my whole business model. Well, let's talk to someone here, or let's hear rather from someone who's done business with our guest John Carlson quite recently. This is a, a property owner in Langley, and let's hear from Steve. Um, actually, it was um, through the the radio ads that I heard on on the radio. Uh, well, the, the first thing that I thought about or, or, uh, was the the cost, the 1% cost compared to other real estate firms. Um, and then, uh, I, then I started checking it out on the Internet and, uh, and heard him do a few infomercials there, and uh, it sounded really good. Uh, so um, we tried other realtors in the past on other houses that we had, and we, we didn't, weren't very happy with any of them, really, but... When John came along, uh, the whole picture changed. It made it made a very pleasant experience to sell our house just now. Well, him and his uh, his wife came over, and they they talked to us for oh a good hour or more uh, before we listed. And then he explained everything how it goes, no pressure at all. And then uh, they left, and then left it with us to make our decision. And then we decided to uh, go with them. And then he came back. He came back with his wife, and she took the pictures, and uh, and she did a lot of the. Uh, ranging for the showings, and we were very impressed with uh, how many showings we had. They had just an incredible amount, and uh, everything went good. He was always there at the end of the phone if we needed him for anything, and 
very pleasant fella to, to work with, and now he's helping us to uh, to buy another house. Um, well, we've um, uh, we've already recommended him to uh, some other people uh, to sell their house, and uh, they're they're checking it out too, and they're they're sounding like they're going to go with John too. Um, we got way better service from John than we had any other company, so uh, um, I don't uh, I don't see a problem. In fact, I don't know why everybody doesn't use him because uh, that's the way to go, and he's saving us thousands of dollars. Well, there you go. That's a pretty enthusiastic uh, testimonial. Where uh, wow. in, in Metro Vancouver did uh, you sell Steve's property? Thank you, Steve. That's the first I've heard it, so thank you very much. Um, and thanks for listening to the program on the radio. <laughs> ben and I appreciate that part too, Steve. Yeah, and, and Steve and Diane, a great couple. They're really great to work with. And as you mentioned, we're still working forward on the next sure, property yeah, now. Sure, sounds like it, yeah. Um, but this, they had a house in Langley. Yeah, South Langley area, um, Brooks... Um, uh, anyway, in Brooks Langley. Wood? No, no, not, not Brooksford. But South Langley. <laughs> yes. Sorry. And um, so uh, they're looking to downsize? Is that a, this yeah. is a pattern In the Willowbrook on. area and okay. looking to downsize, yes. Um, you know, and I get a lot of that, quite frankly. People kind of, you know, the house is a nest egg. It's important. It's a big investment. Sure. But now maybe the kids are gone. And I don't think Steve and Diane will mind me mentioning, in, in their case, seven kids. They raised seven kids. They got a great, big, beautiful family. And now they don't need that house. It's just them. So... People are looking at their home saying, gee, you know, what's the market value? What's the timing like? Should we do this? Is, is it the right time? And these are the conversations that Steve and Diane and I had. And just to hear the good recommendation just, you know, is, is wonderful. Thank you. This is, this is how I work. This is how I survive. A lot of word of mouth. And I really appreciate it. Well, indeed. Boy, that's a lot of housework. <laughs> I'm sure Diane is very much looking forward to downsizing. So let's talk about downsizing for a couple of minutes. And those affordable uh, condo prices, are townhouses, are there some townhouses? Townhouses that are equally affordable outside of the city of Vancouver core Absolutely. area? Absolutely. I mean, when you think of a little, a little apartment somewhere as a kind of a starter home for maybe close to 300 and you can get them even under $300 uh, in, in the burbs, no problem. But what about townhouses for families that need a little more room? Absolutely. I mean, for instance, uh, later today I'll be taking a listing of a townhouse in Maple Ridge. All new carpets, floors, paint. It's a three-bedroom, three-bath. It's about 1,300 square feet with a single garage. Uh, needs nothing. A little fenced backyard. This will be a little under five hundred. It'll be maybe four ninety nine, four ninety five, something like that. Okay. These properties are pretty, uh, you know, well sought after uh, out in Maple Ridge. I've got another new la- uh, listing in Langley, for instance, a beautiful two bedroom and den condo, a big one, almost eleven hundred square feet. It's under five hundred. It's four ninety nine right now in a in a newer building at, um, um, you know, out in Langley. Uh, so there's lots of areas. I mean, mission houses. I mean, mm-hmm. you won't get a house under four eighty five, but. Condos, townhomes, all that sort of thing. Well, yes, I'm looking at Johnny One uh, Percent and there, there's a there's a condo on Two Twenty Seventh Street in Maple Ridge. You've got for two fifty nine. Now that's a number that a lot of Vancouver people go. No, come on, that's that's got to be in in Prince George. No, no, it's in Maple Ridge. Yeah, and this is a fifty five and over building, so you've got a limited supply of buyers. A little bit different pricing there, but great building. Uh, we have an offer on it. One fell apart over financing. We've got another one. That one I knew wouldn't last long, but needs a bit of a renovation. But yes. I mean, a good building, low maintenance fees, security, all that sort of stuff. If you are on a budget and you uh, are thinking about moving further east, you'll probably find quite a few options uh, right now. 
Well, that's good to know because I think there is this sort of uh, this pall, this big black cloud hanging over the lower mainland that uh, particularly the outsiders, and there are going to be 30,000 people at least in 2019 moving yes. into Metro Vancouver. We know that. We can predict that comfortably. Right. But for the, from a distance, people are looking at our city going, oh, my God, how am I ever going to be able to afford? I want to move there. Maybe work is taking me there. That usually helps on the moving expenses, et cetera. But, wow. How am I ever going to buy a place in that town? Because it just, it's intimidating, especially from a distance. Yeah, it can be. And, and real estate's not cheap anywhere. I mean, let's face it, even four or $500,000 is usually a pretty decent mortgage for somebody. So it's not cheap. And all the more reason when you're selling or buying to make a good decision, maybe have a good pro on your side. And if you're selling your home and you want a good agent, but maybe you don't want to pay the big commissions that some of the uh, other companies are charging, this is where I excel. Uh, you want full service and uh, good representation at a better cost than most of my competitors? Go to Johnny 1%. Well, I'm, I'm at Johnny1%.ca, and let's just fill that out for a second and take a, a look at the numbers, the hard numbers here. There are several columns right in the middle of the homepage at Johnny1%.ca. Uh, how much will you save? It, the, the columns list your property value, the uh, 1% commission rate, what most other brokers would charge and the net savings is so let's take a typical example and this is very typical for metro vancouver a million bucks your commission paid to one percent realty on a one on a one million dollar sale would be ten thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars most other brokers would charge you in the neighborhood of twenty nine thousand five hundred dollars so if you go with one percent on a one million dollar house you get to keep Close to nineteen thousand bucks. That's a significant amount of money. That is, and I've done done that with sellers many, many times. Sometimes, let's say you've got a million dollar property, you're paying eleven thousand dollar commission, and the other agent is expecting more. I get offers sometimes from other agents where they present a fee agreement with an offer. Says, "Hey, seller, my buyer requests that the commission be increased." So when I get these, it's about fifty fifty. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, I had one recently where we were offering half a percent on roughly a million, so five thousand. The other agent asked for a more typical fifteen thousand dollar commission mm-hmm. and my seller made a deal they said no we're gonna we're gonna give you a little bit more commission we bumped it up to about eight or nine thousand the buyers were happy the buyer's agent were happy so sometimes there's some negotiating commissions can be negotiable but i can tell you this what i don't do is throw a, an anchor around your neck a big you know thirty thousand dollar commission whatever it might be we go in lean and mean and we do everything we need to do to get that house sold. We don't cut any corners. And when it comes time to an offer, buyers don't usually care about commission. They want the right price, the right deal. And I help people price accordingly and still put more money in their pocket. And a quote from the website, johnny1percent.ca. Yes, we are regular real estate agents in every sense of the word. We simply charge less. That's it. End of story. John Carlson can be reached now that he's off the radio in a couple of seconds at any time at 604-612-0080. Again, that number is 604-612-0080. John Carlson, uh, a, a busy weekend for you, I know. Thanks for taking some time to be with us on Vancouver Consumer. It's great to be here. See you in a couple of weeks. You bet. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to John Carlson for another very interesting visit. Next week, WorkSafe BC will pay us a pre-summer visit. And pharmacist Alan Glasser returns to take your calls and talk lots more about supplements and your health. Time now for Duly Noted. And this time around, our producer Ben Dooley has a look at improvements to BC's earthquake early warning system. 
Thanks, Sterling. BC is building on its earthquake early warning system with plans to buy new hybrid sensors that would provide crucial early warning data that could give residents extra time to escape before the big one hits. The BC Ministry of Transportation and Infrastructure is seeking to purchase 25 new earthquake sensors that can be used to support and expand the existing strong motion network and to simultaneously provide data for earthquake early warning. Here's SFU Earth Sciences Professor Glenn Williams-Jones. We have the chance of having a minute or maybe two minutes to actually get down, grab onto a table, uh, get into a safe place for the infrastructure. Really where it's important is that possibility to um, you know, stop traffic. The Transportation Ministry says there are currently about 140 earthquake sensors in the British Columbia Smart Infrastructure Monitoring System. The existing strong motion sensors measure big seismic waves that shake the ground, damaging buildings and infrastructure. They do not have the capability to provide data for organizations running earthquake early warning systems. The new hybrid sensors can simultaneously measure big seismic waves and provide early warning data, a first for the ministry. The new hybrid sensors will be installed on various ministry bridges in coastal seismic zones. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thanks, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. Another feather in the cap for YVR. A recently released ranking by travel booking website Netflights examined a section of a selection rather of 25 of the world's busiest airports to see how each airport fared when it came to wellness amenities. And what exactly are those? Well, as airports make efforts to help passengers to be healthy and feel good, both physically and mel- mentally, wellness amenities include massage access and spas, meditation areas, gyms, yoga classes, relaxation space, fitness gyms, outdoor or green space, prayer rooms, and even a running track. Such amenities are ideal for passengers who have longer layovers while transferring through the airport. The only wellness amenities YVR does not have was massage access and a running track. YVR ranked sixth overall, just behind Hong Kong International Airport, and one ahead of New York City's John F. Kennedy International Airport. The only other Canadian airport that even made the ranking was Pearson in Toronto, which ranked ninth. Frankfurt Airport in Germany was first, followed by Schiphol in Amsterdam, Dubai International Airport, and Singapore's Changi Airport. And that is our show for today, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. You know, you can listen to us anytime on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or, well, wherever you get your podcast. And if you have any thoughts or suggestions for our show, we'd appreciate hearing it from you. Send them along to sterling at cknw.com or tweet us at vanconsumer. So, join us again next Saturday at 2. Sterling Fox & Company will be back for another edition of Vancouver Consumer, right here on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.